Take your Bibles, if you would, Leviticus chapter 20, Leviticus chapter 20, and it is our plan this morning to finish our time together in this chapter, Leviticus chapter 20, verses 22 through 27. If you are new to us here at Grace Baptist, thank you so much for being here with us. Perhaps you came this morning and you don't have a Bible with you. We want to let you know that everything we do here at Grace Baptist comes from, is founded on and rooted in the Word of God, not our own thoughts or perspectives or ideologies. And so we want you to have a copy of God's Word uh, somewhere uh, in underneath the chairs there in front of you. There should be a Bible for you. If you do not have one, and on, in that Bible, it's on page 93. And of course, as always, if you don't have a Bible, please feel free to take that one with you. We'd love you to have a copy of the Word of God. Leviticus chapter 20, verses 22 through uh, 27. Let's read those uh, together this morning. You shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my rules and do them that the land where I am bringing you to live may not vomit you out. You shall not walk in the customs of the nations that I'm driving out before you, for they did all these things, and therefore I detested them. But I have said to you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore separate the clean beast from the unclean, and the unclean bird from the clean. You shall not make yourselves detestable by beast or by bird, or by anything with which the ground crawls, which I have set apart for you to hold unclean. You shall be holy to me, for I the Lord am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. A man or a woman who is a medium or a necromancer shall surely be put to death. They shall stone, be stoned with stones, their blood shall be upon them. This is the word of God. Now depending on your background, on your relationship with church in the past, hopefully not the present, depending on your upbringing. When we read passages such as this, there's not many different reactions that we can have. But one of the reactions that we oftentimes do not have and should have is that it is a great blessing to know God and be known by him. For far too many of us, these things come across as oppressive, restrictive. They conjure up feelings and emotions and memories of rules and regulations, of a top-down relationship where we are clearly inferior and God is unapproachably superior. There is no warmth in these words. There is no relationship in these words. There only is a feeling of rules and regulations that we are suspicious that we cannot ever fully follow. And so there is great despair and great negativity oftentimes if we are honest. My hope this morning is to remind all of us of the blessing it is to be known by God and to know him. Blessing here is not just happy. We have the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, blessed. We have this same word in Hebrew in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Proverbs, the blessed life. It is so much more than being happy. 
It is so much more than having the things that we think that we want or need. The blessed life is difficult to define, but it has a more holistic view. It is to live in the settled confidence that a relationship with the God, the creator God of the universe brings. It is to know that regardless of the circumstances in life, unexpected oftentimes, negative from our perspective certainly, that our God is trustworthy and is in control. It is to live a life in light of the gracious sovereignty of a thrice holy God. It is that stability that comes from knowing that regardless of what is going on around us, we know who we are in Christ We know why we're here. We know our purpose in life. We have all the big philosophical questions answered for us because of our relationship with Christ. This and so much more is what it means to be blessed and to live the blessed life, the blessing that it is to live being known by God and knowing him. And the best way to know how to to, uh, illustrate this is sort of the three stages of your relationship with your parents. Stage one is when you're a child and your parents are extremely intelligent. They seem to know everything. They know everything from how a carburetor works to why the sky is blue. And you have all kinds of questions and they have all kinds of answers. Later in life you realize how much they were bluffing but they seem at the time to have all the answers to all of your questions. And you have a lot of them, why, why, why? And of course the main answer is because. And that's such a good answer. But they know, they know everything. And you look up to them and you love them and you don't wanna be separated from them. They are everything in your world. And then one day, roughly age 13, you wake up and it hits you. Your parents are morons. How did that happen overnight? Like I went to bed last night, mom and dad knew everything, I loved them, they were amazing, and now this morning, they don't know anything. Now, we of course know everything, we've lived a long life, we've had lots of life experience, we've answered all the questions, we've got to figure it out, and our parents' answers no longer make any sense. They're, they don't know what they're talking about. And this stage generally lasts, for seven to 10 years, sometimes longer, or mom and dad don't know anything, we know everything, their answers are no longer a blessing to us, there's no longer stability there, there's no longer security in their perspective, everything is challenged, everything is changing, most of all our parents, and it seems very odd to us that people that had such a high IQ could drop 40 IQ points overnight. It just doesn't make any sense. And then comes that day when we have a child and all of a sudden, our parents are smart again. They seem like maybe they did have some things figured out. They did have some wisdom. And of course, it's capped off by that amazing moment where the words of our mother and or father come out of our mouth. 
That's a fun day. <laughs> and we realize maybe, although nothing was ever perfect, maybe it was a blessing to be under the tutelage and the care and the concern of mom and dad. Maybe they did know more than what, they, what we thought in that second phase. And of course, the end of third phase is, I wish I had more time. But what a blessing it is that God provides for us. Parents who've lived longer than we have, have more life experience than we have, and if they know Christ, have his wisdom to bring to bear on our lives. But these three stages can also mirror our relationship with God. We first came to faith in him. We could not get enough of him. We went to every Bible study we could possibly find. We found ourselves singing all the time, all the Christian music we could devour. We wanted so much of his word, we just wanted to know, and we trusted him. And his way seemed best, and we knew the way that we had rejected for his way, and it was clearly better, and we found it an overwhelming blessing to be under his gracious sovereignty. But if we're not careful, there are times and even seasons where it seems like, because does God really know what he's talking about? Does my heavenly father really have my best interest in mind? I think my way is better. I think, I, I think I've got some things figured out. And my hope and my prayer for you this morning is that you're in the third phase, so to speak, with our heavenly father, where you appreciate deeply the blessing it is to know him and be known by him. And so as God is in the middle of, or wrapping up, I should say, the holiness codes here from chapter 17 to 20, it's gonna continue on with some realities for the priests, but for the people in general, as he calls this to a close in verses 22 through 27 of chapter 20, I believe he wants to remind his people once again of the blessing it is to be in relationship with him and he with them. And so in the first place this morning, we have the blessing of God's sovereignty the blessing of God's sovereignty. Notice once again in verse 24, I am the Lord your God. In that word, that name, Lord, we've gone over this before. So briefly, there is a blessed authority. It's undeniable that the word Lord carries with it implied authority. Now in that second phase, that's oftentimes what we're sort of pushing back against hardest. In by 10, have you lost your mind? That's when things are just getting started. These curfews and rules and regulations, this authority in my life, this checking in, this makes no sense. And we're pushing back against that. And yet what a blessing it is that there is someone in control of all things and that the person who is in control of all things is our great and glorious God. There's a blessing to be found in God's authority. And for those that have their own children, you now know the blessing that that is. Although if you have teenage children, perhaps 
they're not seeing that right now, but that time will come, no doubt. The blessing of authority. And then the blessing of fatherly love. In your English Bibles, that word Lord is in all caps. It's the personal name of God, Yahweh, or we sometimes know it as Jehovah, as it became to be known. Yahweh, the Father, not just this unapproachable, transcendent one, but this imminent, close, familial one. There is the blessing of fatherly love. Now again, we've certainly spoken at this, of this at Grace, and we'll no doubt do again, but for some of us, fatherly love hasn't been the blessing. It has been abusive and distant and cold. But thankfully, our Heavenly Father is not like that. He is perfect. And all the good things about fatherhood find their source in Him. He is warm and approachable. He protects and He guides. He provides and He loves. And so God reminds His people of the blessing of both his authority and his fatherly love. Notice in the third place, the blessing of belonging. I am the Lord, your God. Verse 26, you shall be holy for I the Lord am holy and have separated you from all the peoples that you should be mine. There are only four individuals out of the seven to eight billion individuals that occupy our planet that call me dad. What a blessing to be children of our father, children of our heavenly father. And so God reminds his nation of Israel. There are many nations that both surround them and are currently occupying the territory to which they are traveling. And these nations do not have him as their Lord and Father. What an incredible, unspeakable blessing it is to be the children of the one who spoke all things into existence. We were talking uh, before the service. I was talking with someone just mentioning how our minds have been blown by the images from the Hubble telescope, and now we have another one bringing back even deeper images of deep space to us. It's hard to wrap our heads around the immensity of what has been created. And then there are parts of our own planet we have not yet discovered. And before there was anything, there always was God, and the one who spoke a word and all of that rushed into existence, that God, not only knows you, but calls you son or daughter. And so in those times when his word seems hard and when obedience to him seems less than desirable and when the circumstances of our life are not what we want them to be, do not forget the blessing it is to be called children of the Most High God. You are mine, he says to his people. And he says that to us this morning. Notice the blessing there is in holiness. For I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples. Verse 24. I am the Lord your God who has separated you from the peoples. In both verse 24 and 26, there is that 
sense of separation. And this is not because of superiority on behalf of the nation of Israel. They're well aware of that, Deuteronomy 7.7. But the reality is this is God's holiness being given to the nation of Israel. We've already discussed this in 27 and 8. So that they also would show forth the holiness of God. And this is not some buzzkill. This is not some end to all fun and enjoyment. This is the beautiful, settled reality of living in relationship with the one who made all things and knows how they are supposed to operate. This is the stability that comes from knowing what truth actually is, not this cacophony of voices that always is in our ears, especially through media, vying for our attention. This is truth. No, this is truth. No, this is my truth. What is truth? As Pilate said to Jesus, God is truth. And when we are in relationship with him, we know truth because we know him. What stability there is in knowing truth and love, the very embodiment of these things, and as we saw last Sunday, justice and peace and compassion and grace and mercy and holiness and righteousness and contentment and goodness and gentleness, to know the person who is those things. That's what it means to be holy, to be becoming like God, for he is holy. What a blessing that is. How often we look at separation, even in our physical lives, as being a negative thing. We just want to blend in. We don't want the spotlight on us. We don't want to be seen as weird or different. But what a blessing it is to be separate. Not that we are better, but separate unto that which is better and is the best God and all that he is. Despite the utopia that our society says we can build if we go this way, it is a foolish endeavor that ends in destruction. God's way is the best way, even in those times and especially in those times when it does not seem to be so. And notice his grace, verse 24a. But I have said to you, you shall inherit their land and I will give it to you to possess a land flowing with milk and honey. God gives us the best, and not in a materialistic, tangible way necessarily, but God is not a God who withholds from us the best. God is a God that loves to lavish us with the best, give us more of himself because he is the best. God is not taking his nation of Israel to a second-rate land, to a fixer-upper geographical location. He is causing them to go to the land that he has specifically picked out for them, the land that he promised all the way back to the patriarch Abraham. And it is a good land. And what a blessing it is to be known by God and to know him, to have him provide for us, to guide us, protect us, love us, to know his wisdom. What a blessing his grace is. And so we have the blessing of God's sovereignty. In the second place, then this morning, we have the blessing of obedience. Of course, as with our relationship with our earthly parents, there was a time when we did not see this as a blessing. And for those that have children, we know that there are times they do not see that either. But we know our own hearts, how often we do not see obedience to God as a blessing. And yet what a blessing it is. And so in verse 22 and 23, in the first part of verse 26, we notice four things. First, there is the blessing 
of boundaries. Notice in verse 22. You shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my rules and do them. How many of you, especially during that second phase of your relationship with your parents, which you may still be in, depending on where you're at here this morning, saw their rules as a blessing? Mom and dad, your rules, genius, amazing, crafted, like could not be improved upon. The only way they could be improved on if there was more of them, really. You guys are just, you're knocking out of the park here with these rules, I love it. And so it is far too often in our relationship with God. He comes to us and gentleness to show us that when you walk in my way, that is the way of fulfillment. That is the way of joy. That is the way of peace. That is the way of contentment. That is the way of blessing. And yet, how often do we see boundaries as obstacles? instead of as protection and love. Hopefully, we have begun to see and are currently seeing God's boundaries as a blessing, just as perhaps we can look back and see our parents' boundaries as a blessing, especially now that we have children of our own and are seeking to enact those same boundaries, <laughs> boundaries that we pushed back against in our younger, wilder days. Notice in the second place, then, not only the blessing of protection or the blessing of boundaries, but the blessing of protection. That the land where I am bringing you to live may not vomit you out, verse 22. And back in chapter 18, he said this to the nation of Israel. And this goes back all the way to Genesis 15, where he says to Abraham, the sins of the Canaanites are before me. The stench of their sin and their wickedness is in my nostrils. And so there is coming a day, generations from now, where my nation of Israel will go in and will be my judgment on those nations. And so God says to his nation of Israel, do not presume upon the grace of God. Do not believe that because you are called his people that gives you the right to do whatever you want. There is protection here from the consequences of sin. That's the thing about sin. It looks really good. Sin always, mark it down, sin always overpromises and under and never delivers. James likens it to that fishing lure. It's shiny. It looks like food. And instantly when the fish takes it, they are caught. And that is us. And there is great protection in the rules of God. But our society views them as antiquated, oppressive, bigoted, wrong-headed, archaic. And yet God says there's a physicality, a tangibility to the consequences of sin. That the nation, the physical land on which the Canaanites dwell, has been soaking up the poison of the consequences of their sin for so long that it's going to 
have a, it has a stomach ache, we could say. It's nauseous from the sin and it's going to vomit them out. And so nation of Israel, follow my ways. Walk in my wisdom. Because as you do, there is protection there. Unfortunately, even as we read as part of our liturgy and as we're going through a Bible reading plan where the book of Jeremiah and repeatedly it seems every single chapter is what's happening to the nation of Judah as it happened to the nation of Israel. They did not walk in the ways of God. And so the land vomited them out. There is wisdom and a blessing in God's protection. There's blessing in holiness. And you shall not walk in the customs of the nation that I'm, I am driving out before you. It's tempting to walk in the ways of our society. It's tempting to go with the flow. It seems easy to not stand in the way of what is being labeled progress. It seems to make more sense to go with the collective wisdom of individuals that have been alive less than a quarter century. That seems to make sense. It seems easy, it seems better. But God says holiness is the better way. To reflect my character is the better way. And there is blessing then, not only in our holiness, but in God's holiness. And therefore, verse 23, I detested them. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Thanks be to God, he is long-suffering and one of the key elements of his character that those, especially in the Old Testament and also in the New, knew of him, those that knew him best, that he is patient. For those that have a cursory knowledge of the Old Testament, they believe that the primary mood of God is one of anger. But those that knew him best knew of his great, abiding, seemingly infinite patience. And yet, for all of God's steadfast love and forgiveness and patience, there is a time when his judgment comes. And that also is a blessing. What a blessing to know that there is no injustice that is left unchecked. That there is accountability for everyone. Either through Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross or for those who will for eternity pay the penalty, the just penalty for their sins. Two verses left this morning in the third place, the blessing of submission to God. Notice in verse 25 and 27, those two verses don't seem to fit the flow, but I think they do quite well. There is the blessing of daily submission to God. God takes their attention, not necessarily the sacrificial system that he's taught, taught them through in verses one, chapters one through six, he does not take them back through a list of the Ten Commandments. Where he takes them is what they eat. All the way down to the level of what they consume on a daily basis, God says this is where holiness is. It's at the smallest things to what we would consider the biggest things. So that Paul will tell us in 1 Corinthians, whether you eat or drink to all to the glory of God in the small moments or the seemingly small moments of life all the way to the big moments of life, it is a blessing to daily submit to God's way. To say, 
as we began to say in the third phase of our relationship with our own parents, maybe you did know better. Maybe you do have some wisdom. Maybe this did come from a place of love and not hatred. Maybe there is respect there once again. And to daily submit to the one who made all things and holds all things together. To submit to his will and his way. To follow after him. And then notice in verse 27 the blessing of full submission. From what to eat to mediums and necromancers and what is the particular sin here mentioned throughout this chapter. It's distrust. It's phase two. I'm not sure that God has my best interest in mind. And so I must know the future. I must know what's coming because I don't trust the one who's already there. I need to know because this way, this, how things are going, it doesn't seem to make sense to me. And this waiting is killing me. I gotta know. And so I gotta leave off trust to try to find things out in a different way. And God says no. Trust me, I have your best interest in mind. Getting back to that famous answer to that question, why? One of our parents' favorite answers to that question was because. There's two responses to that as a child. We continue to ask the question, why? Which is the favorite response. Or, okay, good enough for me. Jesus said to his disciples, there's so much more that I could tell you. You're not ready for it. You can't handle it. One of the many things we do as parents is we keep back from our children the harsher realities of life. They're not able to handle them. They shouldn't have to handle them. And we handle them for them. And thanks be to God that he's already in the future has it all planned from beginning to end, and has the best future for us in mind. And so our response this morning, do we fully recognize and appreciate the blessing of being God's people? Perhaps we're in phase one with God. Our relationship with him is new. And what a joy this phase is. And both being a child and the innocence that is found therein and having children and seeing life through their eyes. What a beautiful reality that is. Just newly, I have, we've come to realize that we are sinners. We cannot save ourselves. We have no hope other than Jesus Christ the righteous. And we've stopped running. And we've stopped trying to fake it till we make it and we finally submitted and repented of our sins and put our full faith and trust in the one and only Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. And life seems totally brand new. What a joy and a blessing that is. Maybe this morning we're in phase two in our relationship with God. And we kind of oscillate between phase two and three, if we're honest. Or maybe we're in phase two this morning. Life doesn't make a lot of sense right now. And our particular life doesn't seem to make sense right now. And the things that God has allowed to happen in our life does not make sense right now. 
and we are not seeing our salvation in him and our relation with him as a blessing. We're wondering as those who were Jews in the New Testament era to whom the writer of Hebrews wrote were questioning, was I better off before? And my hope for all of us this morning is that we can be and stay in that phase three. That settled reality. I am not God, but I'm in relationship with the one who is. Don't have all the answers. Don't even have all the questions yet. But I trust the one who loves me and loved me so much that he came to become one of us came to bear the penalty of all of our sin, past, present, and future, on the cross, died for us, and rose again to life from the grave and is now seated in the heavenlies, ever making intercession for us as our advocate. That kind of love is a blessing. And when it comes with obedience and boundaries and protection and holiness, Those things are not proofs that God doesn't have our best interest in mind. Those are solid, rock-solid proofs that he does. Let's look to him in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you once again for your word. We thank you for salvation found only in your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a blessing it is to know you and to be known by you. Father, for those that are here this morning and do not know you and perhaps believe that knowing you is a negative thing, an oppressive thing, a restrictive thing, a dangerous thing, Father, may they come to see who you actually are and that you are not what they have been told you are, or perhaps what they have observed you are or believe you to be. There is a lot of false press and fake news regarding your character that is swirling about. But Father, that you are indeed transcendent and omniscient and omnipotent and omnipresent and all of these things and immutable. And yet, Father, you are also imminent and loving and kind and gentle and gracious and merciful and just and good. You are truth and you are love. I pray, Father, that those individuals might come to know you, the real you this morning through your Son by your Spirit. Father, for those that are new in their relationship with you, what a joy and what a delight and what a blessing. And thank you for them and the reminder that they bring to us of what we used to have with you and what we can have with you again. That childlike trust without which none of us can have relationship with you according to your son. He said only if we humble ourselves as children can we enter into the kingdom of God. Father, perhaps there are individuals here this morning that are in phase two, so to speak. They have relationship with you, but they are struggling. And they are primarily struggling to see how relationship with you is a blessing. All they are beginning to hear and to see is the rules and the statutes and the laws and the regulations and the holiness and the call to such. And they are beginning to believe that that is a negative reality. Father, I pray you would draw them back to yourself. That your great love would overwhelm them. And that unlike Adam and Eve who doubted 
that you had their best interest in mind. They would come to understand that despite what is going on in their life, that seems to indicate that you are unloving and or indifferent, that neither is the case, and you are still their loving, graciously sovereign, heavenly Father. And Father, thank you for those that are in phase three. Help us to remain there. To have this settled assurance that you have our best interest in mind, that your ways are best, that your wisdom is unsearchable, that you are truth and love and justice and holiness and righteousness and gentleness and goodness and kindness, and peace and perfection. And what a joy and a blessing it is to know you and be known by you that we can be proud to be called sons and daughters of God. And though persecution comes, Father, we know who we are in Christ and that we are no better than anyone else. We are simply loved by you, our heavenly Father. What a joy and a blessing that ought to be to us. And I pray that it is this morning. And we pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.